contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Livestream. Tonight, we're going to be talking about another difficult case of CPS kidnapping, except this one has a very interesting twist on it. I'm sure you're familiar with John Walsh, the host of America's Most Wanted. Well... His daughter, Megan Walsh, is the subject of tonight's show. She's going to be joining us with her legal team, and we're going to be discussing the case of her children being ripped from her arms. And obviously, in instances like this, it's difficult to deal with. But what are you supposed to do when you're essentially going up the most powerful organizations in America and the people with the most power, especially in a case like this? Do me a favor, don't forget to like and share the broadcast. If you're over there on Rumble, hit that plus sign. Thank you for chilling with us tonight over there on Getter, the Foxhole, Rumble, Odyssey, and several other platforms too. Appreciate you guys being here. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we will be right back after this. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Our guest this evening is Megan Walsh and two representatives of her legal team, Christy Tacker, excuse me, Christy Tasker and Hollis Mandel. Thank you very much, ladies, all of you for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Uh, so, Megan, uh, I guess we're going to begin with you. Um, you know, as I stated in the introduction, this is a heartbreaking story. Uh, obviously, anytime you have a situation where children are taken from their parents, it's going to be heartbreaking, but you are in a unique position here. I mean, your father is a, a very powerful man. The family is powerful. You have lots of connections as a result of the position that he's been in. Uh, and uh, my heart goes out to you. I know exactly what you're dealing with uh, because uh, someone tried to set me up with child uh, CPS one time when I was younger, and I had to overcome that. Except, you know, I didn't have this power and weight of my family trying to take my children away. Um, I, I guess I want to go back to the beginning and I want to talk about initially your life with your family and how it even got to the point that it is. Yeah, and, and I want to thank you again for having us on tonight, uh, Zach, and for everyone that's taken the time to to hear about this case and, and really invest themselves in it or even just, you know, first finding out about it. Maybe this is the first time they're hearing about it. So thank you very much for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I am the daughter of John Walsh and the sister of Adam Walsh, and we did grow up in the public eye. Um Obviously, the nature of how my father became famous and why um, did have a huge effect on us growing up. Um, I don't think that people really realize, you know, this public persona versus a private life. 
um, unfortunately, with these celebrities, if you will. Um, and I do want to preface that, you know, I honor my mother and father uh, more than anything, um, you know, whatever they've done in the past or what's going on now, um, you know, that's their responsibility. I, I we, we all pray for them every day and, and want healing for them. But, you know, the facts of the matter still remain and, and what they what they're doing currently, uh, you know, is is enough to uh, to really be looking into what might be deeper and, and why that is and what connections are there. So growing up, obviously, I, you know, grew up with aliases and bodyguards and um, bomb threats. My dad having, you know, bulletproof vests in the, the whole front of his closet and things like that. Um, we grew up, you know, very much again in the public eye. So it was, you know, show up for what John and Reve Walsh need, whatever emotions they need. We're living in the shadow of, you know, their murdered child, our brother, you know, we, we, you know, you're really told that you should feel so lucky, you know, if you have any criticism of it or you don't like the lifestyle, then, you know, shame on you. You know, you should be so lucky. You're so lucky and so blessed to have all these things, you know, all these material things, this lifestyle, you know, all of that. When as a child, really what you want is stability and safety and love, you know. Um, and so that was always a contentious thing between my parents and I. Um, they also started taking me and as I say, shopped me around, meaning taking me around since the age of eight uh, to therapists and, um, you know, saying that there was a, my mother and I didn't get along. So I needed to go to a therapist. Uh, mind you, my parents never unfortunately sought therapy after their son was, you know, apparently taken and murdered and decapitated and all of that. They were immediately thrust into the public eye. Uh, the National Center for Missing Exploited Children was formed very swiftly after his abduction and things. So, you know, I don't think people really realize that, you know, I've grown up in controversy. My brother's case was controversial for, has been for 40 years. Um, and, and so there's a lot that people and including myself didn't realize for a long time. Um, I started getting support and help outside of my parents and uh, really was able to identify and see the things that were going wrong and, and the ways that I was being abused, the way it was affecting my children and I. And and, uh, and that's when things really started to kind of unravel, if you will. So, Megan, how is it that your family was able to so quickly go from a position of just being victimized, you know, your brother is kidnapped and murdered, uh, to suddenly being a celebrity and, and being in the public. I mean, what were your parents doing prior to this? Well, that's, that's exactly one of the main questions that I started with Zach is that I started asking, you know, we were all given the public, including myself all growing up, we're given this narrative, if you will, um, of a little boy with a baseball bat and, and things that went missing and, and, uh, you know, that really has an emotional effect. I mean, it's horrific. You you don't even question that. And then here's these grieving parents who are so heroic and stoic, and they go on to make sure that his death wasn't in vain. And uh, and so you don't question. Your heart goes out. That's what a good person and a natural human reaction would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I started knowing, you know, knowing my parents, growing up with them, the infidelity, the girlfriends, the, the drug addictions, the alcoholism, the cheating. I mean, everything, the divorce proceedings, all of it. When you know the inside, 
and how I was treated growing up and, and abused and literally essentially kept in solitary confinement, told that it's my own, you know, doing and things like that. So when you know that and then you start questioning, you're like, well, I want to look at what was going on before, you know, this all happened. What were my parents' affiliations? What were they doing? Just like you asked, Zach. And when we looked into that, unfortunately, you know, everyone knows my dad was working at the Diplomat Hotel in South Florida at the time. Um, and he originally started as a cabana boy. And then there's a very fantastical story of how he uh, saved one of the owners or executive's sons from a drainage pipe. And uh, he was given, he was promoted. He was given an executive position because of it. And he started going to the Bahamas, to Paradise Island and um, and uh, Green Turtle Key and different islands in the Bahamas. Uh, and he was, quote unquote, he said, developing hotels there and going back and forth. When we actually found uh, his boss, John Monahan, also Bill Collins, uh, they were and are known to be involved with drug trafficking, um, heavily involved with drug trafficking. Um, and then we also find my mother's significantly younger live-in lover. And these are all court documents. They're all online at frustratedwitness.com. My brother's records are all released. Anyone can go there and look at them. Um, But there was a deposition and many uh, lie detector tests, um, testimony affidavits from my mother's significantly younger live-in lover, James Campbell, who revealed, you know, what we had known and anyone that knew my parents at the time about my parents' drug addiction to cocaine their um, infidelity, my father going around all of South Florida, you know, quote unquote, sleeping with anything with legs, according to one of the even the detectives. Um, and and that my mother, you know, was involved in this kind of stuff. And this was all going on when Adam was in this home and, and living there and alive. So if I may, when you say. Sorry, you're um, muted, Zach. Sorry. That was my bad. Sorry about that. If I, if I may, um, so when you say a younger live in lover, like how much younger are you, are you talking about? Like how young was this young man? And was, and are you saying that, that he lived like with your family while your parents were still together? Because if, if Adam was alive, I mean, I, I imagine this was before they were divorced. Yeah, um, and my parents are still married. They suddenly mm. one day reconciled and, and everything was fine after a 10-year divorce proceeding with, you know, or protection orders, restraining orders, things like this. Very ugly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, my, the, the lover was my, my, my father met Jimmy Campbell, James Campbell, when he was approximately 12 or 13 years old at the Diplomat Hotel. And met him then. And then later he moves in with my parents and, uh, apparently it was three or four years ongoing this affair with my mother, uh, where Adam would say, I have two daddies, one that goes to work and one that stays home. Um, he was approximately, I believe 20, around 22 to 24 years old. Um, and my mom was older. Um, and then, uh, he actually, right before Adam was abducted, he moved out suddenly um, weeks prior, and he stated himself that it was, you know, my mother and him had spoken, and he was moving out to get his himself in order 
uh, in hopes that, you know, my mom and Adam would join him later and leave my father. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so your parents had an arrangement, shall we say, but it, it sounds like this was a, a fairly tumultuous life that you guys lived. I mean, like before Adam even disappeared, I can understand how the kidnapping and murder of your brother would throw your entire house into chaos. But I mean, it sounds like everything was kind of in chaos before that even happened. Can you tell us, uh, you know, what was that like? I mean, how old were you when your brother was was taken? Well, that's another thing, Zach, is that I wasn't born when my okay. brother was taken. I was born not even a year after. Um, so my mother got pregnant, you know, months after Adam was taken, I guess. Okay. Um, but I wasn't born and, you know, they decided to continue to have children and have a family again without, you know, getting help, without, you know, choosing to be these public figures. My dad was always on the road and gone growing up, which does have a huge effect on children. Sure. Um, and, you know, again, the danger, I was literally brought up constantly in fear of our lives and our safety and everything with the way that my father, you know, handled this and, and me, had, you know, bodyguards around all the time following us to the bathroom and, you know, again, aliases. And, let me ask you this, because it seems an odd connection to make. I mean, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, John Walsh was a national treasure. He was, you know, the host of America's Most Wanted. Uh, he's bringing justice to, you know, criminal bastards, you know, excuse my language. Uh, he's mm-hmm. helping families to get closure. He's, he's solving these cold cases. You know, I mean, it seems like a very positive thing. And I find it difficult to understand why that would bring negative attention. I mean, I guess, uh, unless like a bunch of criminals don't want to get caught or something like that. I mean, I did, was that ever explained? I mean, like, why would, this lifestyle bring such tremendous negative attention to you guys? Well, I mean, it was always told to us, you know, again, that my dad's going after the worst criminals. And so this was part of it. This was the sacrifice that my family made, uh, you know, to be saving all these children and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I don't think that people really understand, uh, you know, how you grow up and what these environments are like and the, you know, the energy that's just always pervasive in, in this, in this lifestyle on that, in those, in those circles and in the way that you grow up as a, a celebrity's child. It's very much living for your parents. Sure. Sure. I, I, yeah, definitely. I can, I can see that. So. So clearly, it sounds like your parents thought that maybe you had some behavioral issues issues or something like that. I mean, uh, through no fault of their own, although I think that anybody looking from the outside in can understand how, you know, anybody in that situation might act out a little bit. I mean, was there any like overt dangerous behavior that you were engaged in or anything that that uh, that you did in the way you lived your life that would perhaps lead to them? feeling that they had to take your children at some point? Um, well, again, when I started speaking up about the abuse, I mean, my father has even declared, you know, that we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to get her diagnosed, and we still don't have a diagnosis. They have forced me under ultimatums to um, a rehab to Passages Malibu, where they were having us do weird energy exercises and telling us we had special gifts. 
therapist and my therapist was a Rothschild and they've taken me to other, you know, therapists where they actually started being told that, you know, these aren't children. You cannot vicariously live through your, through your daughter's children. Um, I, we understand that you lost a child and that, you know, you you guys, you know, John, you were on the road all while your children were growing up or you didn't have a husband for that duration. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that you can't vicariously live through your children's, you know, your your daughter's children, excuse me. And also to, you know, the effect, excuse me, I have treatment on my nose right now, but I am um, dealing with basal cell carcinoma and uh, they did not like the way that I was handling it, that I was treating it naturally versus going and, you know, having my forehead put on my face and, you know, mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. I wanted to try natural medicine. Rick Simpson oil is specifically made for basal cell carcinoma, which is what I have. I've rebuilt my nose back. And and if it doesn't work and, and something else needs to be done, then that's what we'll do. I'm not opposed to Western interventions, but, you know, we need to also be aware of natural, um, you know, ways to, to healing and, and preventative care as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think that this was a huge instance of, you know, my father does have, um, you know, his family was in the middle military it's a certain generation and you know it was the white picket fence and you pay your taxes you get your shots you do your stuff and you're considered a good person and that's just not the way the world is today and um but still that's not a reason to take you know someone's children from them and and they know that my children are my world and my heart so it's very very dirty when you start speaking up about narcissistic abuse and and um, domestic abuse and and violence you know we know how the abuser reacts and and going and and claiming these things before i can and taking my children and all that stuff is very indicative of that and unfortunately that's something that we find in our cps and family court system so it comes full circle i guess Absolutely. And it seems, to be honest, especially cruel considering the fact that you're going through these cancer treatments and you're trying to heal yourself. I mean, I can't think of a a time where you might be more vulnerable to an attack such as this. Uh, Okay, so what I was getting at is that, you know, it's not like you were living on the street. It's not like there was, you know, some dangerous behavior going on in your home. Uh, You know, they just suddenly... At a certain point, when you started asking questions, they came in and said, you know what, that's enough. We're just going to nip this in the bud. Is that kind of how it went? Well, they started getting very nervous and very adverse responses to my questions and things. And uh, and then I went in uh, 2020, Thanksgiving of 2020, uh, during COVID, I went up to their home. It was very weird. They said, oh, you know, we're just having you and the kids up here for Thanksgiving. Just come with them. And, you know, I, again, experienced this abuse from my mother, you know, my entire life life actually being home with her and and the covert cystic abuse behind closed doors and so and, i was I'm weary sorry, of Meg, it and and i was trying to Meg, uh, just just before you continue on with the story megan can you just uh identify for the audience when you say abuse you know what exactly are, are you referring to you're just talking about emotional abuse i mean like quite frequently i you know i i understand the, the relationship between mothers and daughters sometimes and it can't always necessarily be positive is that it or are you talking about something more sadistic 
Well, I mean, my mother would tackle me down the stairs. She would, you know, I'd have to run into my closet and pull out the drawers and basically spend most of my adolescence in my closet because she'd chase me and be barking at me like a dog and uh, different things like that. Um, She would send really wild text messages, also threaten me. Um, to take my children with her money if I didn't obey her. And then I would go to my father and I would say, this is crazy. I can't engage in this anymore. She's threatening me. She's done this. And he would gaslight me and say, oh, what are you talking about? We, we tell you every day what an amazing mother you are. Um, I have text messages of him saying, you know, we're getting your mother help. You know, I hope we can make things better. Um, you know, things like that. And, and he, all that's happened and skip forward, but to say what we're talking about, all that's happened even in front of the nanny, mm-hmm. uh, who is testifying against me for, for their sake. So just so people kind of get an idea of how things can go. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, we went to their home on Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. I don't mean to skip around. No, it's, no, no, it's please. A lot of yeah. stuff. Um, but, uh, but we went to Thanksgiving at their home and, uh, I felt like things were very bizarre. Um, and I felt like my mom was going to, she's very passive aggressive. Again, people really need to look into covert narcissistic abuse and things like that to really understand what's going on. I don't think that she, has been well even before my brother was taken. And I think, and I pray again that she truly gets help. That's, mm-hmm. that's a very real thing to, to say it gracefully. Um, but then we were at Thanksgiving. I, I said, you know what? I, dad, we can try this again tomorrow. It's COVID. We had catered food. We can try again tomorrow. I don't feel like this is going well. Um, my parents are very addicted to high drama, high conflict, uh, things like that. And I'm not, I'm very allergic to drama and confrontation. So, um, I said, dad, I'm going to take the kids. We're going to get going. We'll try again tomorrow. I'm, I don't see this going well. He starts flying down the stairs like a bat out of hell and goes down to my mother in front of my children and makes a big drama. He's very good at drama. I People that watch him should understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, he is very good at fear-mongering and, and, you know, emotionally, you know, making you feel what he wants you to feel and things like that. So um, he came, he went down, he said, oh, all this things making it a big deal that I was leaving. And it was Thanksgiving. I said, dad, I'm not doing this. I walked down the porch. He would not let me leave. He starts this very bizarre script uh, saying, you know, you need help, Megan, your children are terrified of you. Um, I said, dad, you, what are you all doing? My mother walks out of the house holding a video, you know, her phone, like a TMZ reporter. And, uh, and I'm like, what is going on? I said, you all are trying to frame me right now. And I will preface that I always say to people, does this sound crazy? Because it is crazy. It's mm-hmm. not normal. It's very not normal. It is crazy. Um, and any therapist that you'll go to will have told me and will tell anyone it is crazy making. I was asking for a more technical term, but that's what, you know, that's <laughs> what it literally boils down it's to. It's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I said, you know, you all are trying to frame me. I had been suspecting things. My dad had been asking about my children's social security numbers, and um, they had hired this 
financial assistant that then they said was the woman, my mom, my mom going to therapy was the same woman, um, and things like that. So I had already been very suspicious and I actually had texted my dad asking, are you trying to get a conservatorship on me? Like, what are you, what are you all doing right now? And I'm very upfront. And so that, that's how that goes. Um, and so then they started doing that that night. And I said, you know, I do not consent. This is private property. My children are here. He started telling me that I could leave with my two sons if I left my daughter there and had her in the house where I couldn't get to her. Um, I had to put the boys in the car and everything and, and go back in to get my daughter. But in the meantime, after an hour and a half or so in front of my children of berating me of, of saying that I'm sick and all of these things, um, I went to go take the phone out of my mother's hand and, and I was panicked. I'm, I'm a mom. Moms mm-hmm. pick up buses to save their kids. Okay. Yeah. And so I went, you know, like this to take the phone and, uh, I finally got it. As soon as I got it, she took me by all my hair holding my baby in front of my other two children and yanked me, you know, trying to take me down to the ground. Um, and and then proceeded to where I am healing cancer, scrape my face where it's bloody down. Um, and then finally, um, actually bit me, um, on my arm, uh, with my baby in my arms. And so I finally had someone else, a friend, uh, come up to the house. It was very terrifying. Um, I pulled my car up to the gates so that we wouldn't get trapped inside the gates. Um, and I was afraid to call the police. Uh, and that's where that, I guess, will lead to things because the reason I didn't call the police is because my father has endorsed and works very closely with our current sheriff, Eric Flowers, in Indian River County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't call the police because I, you know, I knew that I would probably end up in, you know, they weren't going to charge my mom with assault or anything. I didn't know what my father would say or have connections in doing. And that's, you know, what I've very horrifically had to realize through all of this. You know, I did see my father as a hero and I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken that my parents would do this. And, and I do forgive them because to be in such a place as this and whatever's gone down or gone on that has caused them to be in this place must be absolutely horrific. Um, but I do have to fight for my children, protect my children. And, and this is an issue that they're exposing that's been going on far too long across our country and, and actually worldwide now with CPS. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Christy, I, I want to go to you next and I want to talk about some of these specific allegations, the, the, the manner in which they have uh, taken these children from Megan. We have to take a break for the second half of the show. So we'll be right back after this, guys. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Now, I see a couple of people over on the Rumble chat are uh, too disturbed by the content of this. Uh, I have to say, uh, unless we confront this issue directly, unless we can advocate for the people who have been victimized by this uh, horrific criminal system that CPS has been built into, uh, then I don't see how we're going to save future generations. And, you know, if you have to leave, you have to leave. Uh, but, uh, just remember this could so easily happen to any single one of us that are parents out there. Christy, so what are some of these allegations that they're making against Megan? I mean, it seems like this is a very abusive family relationship. Um, clearly people who are celebrities who find themselves in positions of power, they tend to 
have a sense of entitlement quite often. And uh, when you have the relationships that John Walsh has with these very powerful people, you know, I, I'm, I'm not all that surprised that they would take this route. Oh, you're muted. Here we go. There we Thanks. go. Um, so I think one of the one of the biggest things that Megan brought forth um, that um, she was stating about her father being in direct contact with the Indian River Sheriff's County. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things in the entire case is because, you know, this entire county, um, he has advocated for the sheriff. And I think it's best, Zach, if it's OK, just for me to play this video. In OK. Okay. So, so your audience can actually understand um, what's here, because to me, there's, there's, you know, no better testament than letting, letting John speak. Um, hang on, here we go. I'm not sure why it's not playing. So, in this video, basically, John Walsh is campaigning for Sheriff Eric Flowers. Uh, who is the chair? Here we go. I'm John Walsh. You may know me for the 25 years that I produced and hosted America's Most Wanted. I chase fugitives all over the world and work with every kind of cop Interpol, Scotland Yard, FBI, Marshals, you name it. I think I know a good cop when I see one. This guy's a good cop, trained at the FBI headquarters in Virginia, trained at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children on how to keep kids safe online. He knows this county, he loves this county, and I'm voting for Eric Flowers. Vote for me, August 18th, 2020. So that, that, campaign video was actually made on John Walsh's property. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, they're making the videos on the property. They're preparing, they're getting ready together. Um, they have recently done an, an entire, um, campaign, another campaign for the county as a whole. So they're, they're very much together quite a bit. So when it comes to the allegations against Megan, um, some of the allegations include, you know, that um, Megan's first child's father suddenly uh, petitioned for parenting and, and had not seen his child in over nine years. Never. So, Any never idea seen. what precipitated that sudden desire to be a father? Yes. My parents reached out to him, and they, without my knowledge or consent or my daughter's, they somehow took her DNA and uh, did a not-for-court use lab test, and uh, they're claiming that he never even knew he had a child. Wow. Isn't that illegal to, like, take a child's DNA without the parent's consent? I mean, I could have sworn I just heard that the other day. Yes, it is. Okay, there we go. And then also, I just wanted to comment, Sheriff Flowers he came up at the FBI and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So he must have had a, a relationship with your father for quite some time. I mean, you almost could say that uh, John Walsh made Sheriff Flowers, certainly got him elected. Uh, Zach, I don't think that would be far from the truth. My father, this goes back to the sheriff prior to him, Daryl Lohr. 
uh, and my father and he have a very close relationship. Um, and then they rose Eric Flowers up, put him through all the schools. He was the public information officer. Uh, to my knowledge, he's never done a day on the beat, on the street. And, uh, and he was put into this position. A yes man, if you will. Wow. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so Christy, I'm sorry. Please continue. No, no, that's good. So, when it comes to um, the allegations against Megan, so the the father petition. Christy, can I can I interrupt for just one second before you move forward? In that, we do have a lot of current controversy in Indian River County now because Eric Flowers and my father do have a cult following. Um, people are very, you know, no questions asked. You can't, you know, ask anything. You can't see him anything, but, but, uh, recently and over the past six months or longer, uh, Eric Flowers actually during his oath, his acceptance, what he based his campaign on was the fact that if you can't keep your marriage vows, then how can you keep vows as a public servant? literally out in his speech and now it's recently come out that he has been cheating on his wife um with uh, her husband actually is a fire uh rescue responder and her father used to be a police officer and high-ranking police officer um flowers has been having an affair with her he has a, i believe the child's six years old autistic son and uh she has three children as well he came out saying they said we're so sorry he did an entire public apology on his twitter um recant you know said i'm i'm so sorry this will not affect my position or my work we're making our marriage work i sat behind him in church a couple months ago at his new church he decided they changed churches and uh, I believe two weeks ago or so, it came out again how he, which I had known, that he was still cheating. They were not reconciling. They are filing for divorce. Um, and, you know, I really want to appeal to Sheriff Flowers to, to really do what's right and, and to not perpetuate this generational corruption that we have had in Indian River County for decades. So, um, that's my appeal to him, but there, you know, people are very upset. He's been very hypocritical and, and it seems to not be going in a good direction for him. Yeah. I was going to say dripping with hypocrisy. Dripping. Yeah. Oh, okay. Christy, please continue. Okay. So, so basically they wanted to claim that, you know, she didn't allow time sharing and that they request, you know, reunification therapy and a new, with a neutral therapist so that the father daughter could bond and safely. Um, the next allegation is that the um, respondent, which is um, the father is, is, oh no, excuse me. The respondent is Megan is subjecting the minor child to various forms of psychological abuse and subjecting the minor, minor child to harm. Um, um, they don't see what the harm is. I was um, just going to ask, you know, and nothing specific. And, and you know, what I'm also seeing is a fair amount of projection from your parents' part uh, onto this supposed behavior that you're exhibiting with your own children. And is there has there been any change with the status of the father's life since he came forward uh, to petition for uh, uh, some type of parental time. Uh, has, has he been enriched in any way? Well, well they have the same lawyer. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Megan. Sorry, Megan. Go ahead, Christy. No, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, he happens to be using the same exact attorney that John Walsh used um, about 10 days later to, to take Megan's home. That I could never afford. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, well, okay. Another incestuous connection there. Okay. Just coincidental. You know, those are just coincidences. They just happen to have the same attorney. How large is this area? I'm not familiar. This is in California? No, it's It's in Florida. Florida. Oh, it's in Florida. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's in Florida. So uh, I'm not familiar with this area. I only just moved here in November. So just under a year. But um, you know, I guess I would assume it's affluent. I mean, it, it in, in ex, an exclusive type community. Yes, yeah. it's it's a very small. It's known for its exclusive exclusivity. You're absolutely right, Zach. Okay. You're hitting the nails on the head tonight. And <laughs> and also, I want to save your projection comment. If anyone actually does know about narcissistic abuse and yeah. the realities, not the washed out term we're using in mainstream today, but the actual issues of narcissistic abuse projection is one of the main issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for saying that. Sure, sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, Vero Beach is known as a very exclusive town. We have the Barrier Island, uh, where all of the wealthy live. And then you have the bridges, which are basically like the tracks, if you will. And then all the kind of service, working class, everything lives on the mainland. Um, There's a lot of private airports. There's a lot of private sector. We even have an entire private sector of Indian River Shores on the barrier uh, where John's Island Country Club and um, Windsor uh, with the Westons and things. So a lot of connections in our town, a lot of wealthy retirees and, and old money, if you will. Okay. All right. All right. Christy, please continue. Okay, so um, the respondent refused to vaccinate her minor child or allow the minor child to receive standard medical care, including dentistry. Um, The members of this, and by the way, this is from a father who's taking everything verbatim that's being said by other family members. I think this is important for people to know because he has never seen his child, nor did he ever contact Megan to ask for any type of visitation or anything. So um, her views on vaccination and medical care are so extreme that she's been banned from posting um, on various social media platforms, which haven't we all never even been put in jail. So there you go. There we go. Take away your children. All of our children are going to be taken away because probably everyone listening to this broadcast has been banned from social media in some way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking your mind online now is a capital crime, apparently. Yeah. Well, and right before they took my children, I do have to say I had never even had a warning, never been put in jail, never anything. And all of a sudden, in one day, my page is completely taken down. No reason why, no alert, no notification. And then, like, literally a day or two later, put back up suddenly. And then the, we find this in allegations a month or two later. Wow. Not coordinated in any way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Zach, she also likes, she has multiple deadbolts on her doors that can only be unlocked, unlocked from a key from the inside, thus locking her minor children into the house so that the public can't see them. Well, I mean, you, you, you don't have a right to privacy or a right to security. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yes, I keep the front of my blinds tilted up so the public can't see us in the bathroom. I know, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Especially growing up with bodyguards and aliases. You know, it's just so crazy, John Walsh. 
So she refused to allow, allow her minor child to attend school, including before the pandemic. Um, they didn't say pandemic, obviously. <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> like when I see pandemic, I automatically just revert it to pandemic. Throw the L in there. Throw the L. By the way, the reason I was actually kicked off of social media until they realized <laughs> that they were losing advertising dollars for my clients. <laughs> but, but she was providing religious homeschooling. Um, oh, and that's he, another, another big one. They definitely. They don't, they want your children to be brainwashed and they can't get brainwashed if you're homeschooling them. She remains locked in her room all day, smoking marijuana, thus leaving the minor child to engage in the education all on their own. Megan, what were your children enrolled in? A Becca nationally known Christian homeschooling program during a pandemic at home when I didn't want my children, my daughter, it was only my daughter. My sons are not even of school age yet at all. And it was only my daughter who I did not want going back and forth and in and out of school. And during a pandemic that I thought we were supposed to take so seriously and be protecting her health, you know, but that apparently wasn't, it, there was no pandemic, you know, apparently. So right. but what I would like to know is if they couldn't look in and this father wasn't there, how do they know that she stays in her room all day smoking marijuana, leaving the children alone? So, yeah, with with play dates and community events and everything going on nonstop with my children. So I, I don't know how I accomplished that. That's really incredible, actually. Wow. Sorry, I at a certain point, you have to. It's, it's late, and 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 we're having a little fun with these allegations. I hope that your audience is okay. With <laughs> I think I think they're hip to it. Yeah, we, we have them. We have them up where they can be read directly. Um, she continued to breastfeed her children and sleep in the same bed um, as herself and her paramour. Um, <laughs> Never wow. true. Like, are there cameras in my house to know who's sleeping in my bed? Like, that's crazy. Also, there's something called attachment parenting that's very proven and very successful. And we co-sleep. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I, for no apparent reason, she refuses to seek employment. That's the only food the minor ch- um, children are provided is by the maternal grandparents. When the respondent is angry at the maternal grandparents, she allows the food to rot. And keep in mind, this is from the dad who's never been in Megan's house. And Wow. You know, how would he know these things? Absolutely. She has a tendency to hoard things. In fact, her garage has, is where she has a litany of cats, so dirty that the electrical company refused to enter. Are you a cat lady, Megan? <laughs> I am a cat lady, and I keep the, well, I want to say something, Zach. It's funny, because my father on the hearing to take my children, all he said was, Your Honor, she's holding those children hostage in that house. We have to get them out. And the judge said, okay. Well, then the next day, animal control showed up at my house banging on the door also. And we didn't answer the door. And we called back to find out what was going on. And because we had already been terrorized and assaulted and children ripped from uh, from me the day before. And we called animal control, Zach. And we asked them what the complaint was and what was going on. And you know what they told us? There was an anonymous complaint saying that I was holding three cats and two dogs hostage in my garage. A lot of hostage situations going on. (laughs) Guns to their heads and everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Um, th- her Welcome name. To CBS. <laughs> <Go> yep. <laughs> Based on the information provided by multiple family members of her of Megan's family, her neighbors and under and other individuals that know her, she is se- severely suffering from untreated mental health problems. And that right there, uh, you said that they had you going to therapists for essentially your whole life. Uh, that, and if they're unable to diagnose you with something, perhaps there is no mental illness there to diagnose. You're just going to different doctors and your parents keep attempting to have something labeled on you so that they can use that against you, it sounds like. Maybe I don't agree with the way I was raised. Maybe, sure. uh, you know, maybe we have a difference of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they go on to say that, you know, they, they think that she's not raising her children in a healthy lifestyle. Um, that it's that so her, her, after this, her dad basically goes on to, um, use the same attorney that the father used days before. And, um, he's, he wants to sell for sale her house, um, which was a $350,000 house in Vero Beach, a typical, you know, like subdivision home. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I said, I didn't that because- want to live in a gated community. I didn't. That was the whole thing. I wanted to live on a normal street with a normal home and I didn't want to live in a gated community that they did not like that. Sorry. I had to, I had to practice. Right yeah. So. <laughs> So basically the housing sale, now keep in mind, this is the, the separate lawsuit um, against Megan um, where the house is sold and the house sold pretty quickly back in November. And um, which I didn't years, know, which I didn't know anything about. Sorry, Chris. Oh, they didn't even but warn you? My children, and then I'm told that my house is a, a forced sale and that I don't have a home anymore. Wow. Well, I mean, that's clearly designed to force the situation. I mean, what better argument can they have than, oh, you know, Megan doesn't even have a home to raise these children in because we stole it. We sold it off out from underneath her without letting her know. And my real estate attorney actually recused himself because it was so messy. Their attorney, Gregory Hyden, kept calling saying these rumored things again. I mean, this is literally based, all of this is based off of gossip going around. Mm -hmm. He could not take it anymore. The judge on that case was rushing everything through for my dad. My attorney said, I've never seen anything like this before, ever. And then in the case documents, they actually asked in quotes, for my half of the home, which they're trying to drain, um, to be held in escrow until after this case is finished, meaning to keep me homeless and sure. indigent so I can't get my children back. Yeah, yeah. Christy, would you bring the our, our faces back up here? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Jack. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I um. Uh, okay, so this is so clearly a railroading of you, so that they can get the result that they're looking for, which is obviously to take your kids away, force this situation, uh, and push you out onto the street. So with all of these, uh, these claims being made against you, did you even have an opportunity to like prove to the CPS system that this is, you know, you're not living in some crack den or something like that? I mean, did they come over and did they do like a typical investigation or did they just take everybody else's word for it and begin the process of removing them. 
they never did a uh, an investigation required by law. 60 day, it's a 39303 required by law investigation, and they lose jurisdiction after 60 days. They never did that investigation. They never asked me questions. They came to the home once prior and knocked on the door. I did not answer, as many across the country know, you know, are yes. are talking about and everything about about that that there. I'll just leave it. Well, no, that's, that's the smartest thing you can do. I mean, because CPS, I mean, you you allow them into your home and they have such unilateral power. They can essentially just do whatever they want. I mean, and you have no legal recourse. I mean, maybe there is legal recourse, but you're going to get wrapped up into the system in the way that you have. Well, it was ironic, you know, a lot of people that were advising me that because, again, I was already an activist and advocate, you know, they said, oh, they'll come in and say they smell cat pee and take your Mm -hmm. kids. And next thing I know, they made a false report. They've never been in my home. They did not come in my home, anything. And one of the detectives with my dad's sheriff's department said, you know, oh, I smelled cat pee from uh, coming from outside of the garage while he was standing in the driveway in Florida outside in April. So, and that's their study. And that's, and then he then proceeded during the trial to high five my dad on his way out of court in front of the judge. You kidding me? Jeez, oh, Pete. You know what else is fascinating to me is that a stranger can break into uh, a house that's for sale in my neighborhood and basically set up and they have squatters rights and they can live in that home, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, however long it takes to, to go to court and for everything to, to get uh, taken care of. Before we moved in here, the house across the street had been vacant and that happened. And these people lived there in this home rent free for over a year. And uh, and here you are. I mean, you own half the home. You're living in it for, you know, I would imagine for quite some time you have a family there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're able to just come in and just take it. I mean, I, this would not have happened if John Walsh wasn't your father and, you know, all of these organizations did not have some specific interest in, in his life and, and in what he wanted to have happen. I couldn't agree with you more. It's corruption at its finest. It's, uh, it's so horrible. So. Okay, so where are we today with this situation? I mean, obviously you're still fighting. I mean, what legal recourse does Megan have? Hollis, you've been absolutely amazingly quiet and a great listener the whole entire time. I I think she has a lot of practice in court having to listen to a lot of BS. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Hollis, approach the bench. (laughs) No, no, no. I would have just hang out. Thanks. With all due respect. Yes, well, that was was a little crazy. So I've been practicing for 22 years. I have my law degree and also my master's in social work. And I've been doing family law for 22 years. I've never seen a court necessarily act this way. I can't go into the specifics right now because that would just be really incredibly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. But what I can say is that we did try to keep the court-appointed lawyer on the case because trial was set for about a week away. It's set for August 10th. And I don't know any of the players. I don't know any of the games. I'm learning about it in the last month through listening to Megan and Christy talk to me about all of these things. And I will say this was a very, very good setup. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they keep talking to me about the other attorneys, well, she doesn't have a place to live for the children. She doesn't have a job. So 
You're right. I'm sorry, House, but which they arrested who I was living with and tried to charge her with a felony so that I couldn't bring the kids home after I had it set up. Go ahead. Well, like I said, you know, I was not there for the facts, but the issue that I have is that the last... The last attorney, we don't even know who he subpoenaed. I mean, Megan can tell you exactly. He stated that he had spoken to 77 witnesses. But when we asked him who, he couldn't name one name. When I said to him, with, I'll let you tell the judges with all due respect. But when I said to the attorney, the court-appointed attorney, I said, well, can you please tell us what your trial strategy is? And this is in court in front of everyone. And he said, no, it's lawyer-client privilege. And I said, your honor, client belongs, or privilege belongs with the client, not the lawyer. Mm -hmm. And Megan said, I wave, I wave privilege. I wave, I wave it off. Right in the middle. And we did not hear about a trial strategy. But it was very bizarre because then when I left, this has never happened in 22 years. When I left and I was driving back from Indian River to Broward County, I got a call from the state's attorneys that are prosecuting in the dependency case. And they wanted to inform, well, they informed us in open court that they were watching podcasts and they're basically stalking Megan. Mm -hmm. So I talked to them and we talked about negotiations, which again are not appropriate to discuss. But then they hung up. Two minutes later, they called me back. Megan just posted something on Twitter. I am not, I'm not a poster, so I don't really know about these things. I apologize. I'm very, no social media really. But yes, so they called me up and said, she's got this, you know, posted about the judge. And I, of course, called her and told her to take it down. But in 22 years, I've never had an attorney. Actually, I was a public defender 23 years ago, back in the day. And I never had a state attorney or assistant state attorney call me up and say, Oh, your client just did this, or oh, last night this happened. It seems to be a very unusual level of attention that is, uh, that's being devoted to this case. You know, parenting rights are one of the most fundamental rights that we have right now. Mm -hmm. And while I may not agree, I may not have the same faith as Ms. Walsh, I might not have the same faith as you, it doesn't mean we're not allowed to have differences. Mm -hmm. And I feel that at this point, would I choose to use Rick Simpson's oil? I don't know anything about it. But I would probably be the neurotic person I am and go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Just because she did that, that's not harming her children in any way. How does her using Rick Simpson's oil harm her children? Well, and here's the other thing. I mean, I used to be a caregiver. I used to grow marijuana. I used to produce Rick Simpson oil for my cancer patients. Okay. So I have seen it. The, uh, anecdotal research is out there. They have done studies as well. Uh, it's very effective at treating certain cancers. And if I'm not mistaken, down here in Florida, uh, isn't medical marijuana legal? So it's not like you're treating your pain with heroin or something like no, that. No, this actually, I can't believe you brought that up because this actually is very entertaining. The state attorneys wanted to know, they said, well, she showed us her marijuana card, but we need receipts to know she's not getting it illegally. Well, if she has a prescription, what are we doing here? Like, so you have, I've just never seen this before. And in fact, DCF says, or CFA says, 
in a lot of my family cases, yeah, we don't care about marijuana. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this is becoming such an issue in Indian River is really, it's telling. Mm-hmm. The most telling to me is a father who's never seen his child in almost a decade yeah. suddenly files a lawsuit. Within 10 days, the parents file a lawsuit to take the house away. Within another week, the children are removed. That's just a lot. And then a year later, when she has another child, they remove that child in five days. But the grandparents don't want that child because that child's a baby. So that child is with a stranger in foster care. That's probably the worst part. Which my father and the National Center themselves say approximately 86% of children that end up in child trafficking are from the foster care system. So why is that happening? And why isn't John Walsh just on an overall level speaking out and changing that system? Or why isn't he proud of me and joining in our, you know, addressing the corruption issues within our CPS and family court systems? Isn't that something we should all be on the same page about if it's not correct, you know, if absolutely. Well, and, and especially that fact that you just mentioned there, I mean, this is some, this is something we can point to quite frequently, uh, as a major, major thorn in the side of the CPS system. I mean, and it's by design, I would have to imagine. I mean, with all of the millions of dollars that are poured into an organization like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and all of the work they're supposedly doing, to stop children from being trafficked and, you know, all of these horrible things, you know, why is it that 80% of children uh, from the foster care system are now being delivered into the hands of traffickers and pornographers, just like the, the worst dregs of humanity? This should be like the very first issue that is being addressed with this stuff, because if they're going to be keeping this system open and allowing this to happen, and they don't do it by design, then they should be looking to fix it. But I mean, you know, I, I hate to cast dispersions or to throw around, you know, wild conspiracy theories, but I, I mean, I, I can't think of any other reason why this happens. I mean, pedophiles, child pornographers, uh, they're going to put themselves into a position where they can victimize kids in the quickest and easiest way possible. And if that's becoming a foster parent and becoming a part of the CPS uh, you know, child theft system, then that's the way they're going to do it. And it appears that that's exactly what they do. <laughs> it, it doesn't and stop there. And my father there. <laughs> would usually be the number one person saying these things and with a lot more vigor than we even have about it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's wild to me. I, I, it's not adding up. All right. Uh, well, you guys, we are uh, opening up the phones. If you have questions, uh, if you have a story uh, yourself, if if you've gone through this process, if you have anything uh, that you can offer to help Megan, you're welcome to call in. Uh, I put the call information on the screen and I've passed out the Zoom information into all of the chats as well. So take note of that if you guys want to join the conversation. Uh, hey, you tell them what you really need. What's that? <laughs> I told I told Megan she should tell you what she really needs right now. Yeah, what do you need? What can we do to help? Well, um, first of all, prayers are invaluable. I always have to say that first and foremost. I can't thank everybody across the country and even in other parts of the world that have reached out and that are praying for us. That is like 
really anyone that knows me knows that that is the utmost for us. Um, but you know, I have to say also because of that support, I've been able to keep in this fight. You know, I've lost everything. I've lost my children, everything for the truth and to really, you know, address these issues within CPS, our judicial system and dealing with corruption. Um, and at this point, it does unfortunately come down to money for my children, you know, and we have to be able to buy transcripts and pay, um, you know, experts and, and pay for the logistics of the court system that we need to fight this properly. Um, and I will continue to be fighting after my children are returned. I know many people that know me and, and have, have followed me know that conviction of mine. Um, but we do need financial support. You know, the great people of this country have, have really supported me in any way they can. Even the smallest donation is a big deal to us. Um, it, it adds up and we, again, can, can pay for an expert or we can buy a transcript, you know, so that we can prove these things. Um, and so I do, uh, uh, supporters have set up a give, send, go for me. That is the way, um, to directly donate as well as Dell, um, and a Zell option to directly donate to Hollis, my attorney. If you feel more comfortable with that, I want it to be absolutely clean. And, you know, this is, this is what we're here for. So the give, send, go is give, send, go.com forward slash Megan Walsh, M E G H A N W A L S H. Um, and then Hollis Mandel, you can, and also if you need help or you're struggling with something, please reach out to Hollis as well. She's an incredible woman and attorney. Um, and, and she is open to that as well. So Hollis, if you would give your phone number for the Zell and for your office, I think, I believe they're the same. Yes, I can give you my office number in the Zell. It's 954-791-1237. But what I just want to interrupt. And I'm sorry, you said you seven seven nine five four seven nine one one two three seven. One two three seven. Okay, great. I'm gonna pass that. What I want to get out there is that one of the issues Megan is having though is because of these court dates and the visitations, she can't hold a job from nine to five. It would be impossible. Sure, of course. But anyone in Indian River County that has a part-time job for her that's available with flexible hours. She's looking and she, she will take it. She is desperate mm-hmm. to do what she needs to do to get mm-hmm. these kids back. I, um, I thank you for saying that, Alice, because every time I have almost completed the case plan, something has happened and I am here. I know that a lot of people wonder that. And I really thank you, Hollis, for saying that. Um, as well as not just part-time, but I am looking for from homework, you know, data entry or anything from home where I could stay home with the kids. I can be able to work more. Um, but literally, you know, DCF and CPS, the courts, everything is a non-stop. I mean, we're ripping children from parents and then telling them to get better and doing all these services and different things that, you know, the state profits from. And that's the only people that benefit from this at this point, sadly. Um, and we, we need to address that. It does make it quite impossible. And I have to humbly say that after going, you know, being in the middle of it now put being put in the experience of it. It's, this is very wild. Well, this this is such a familiar that, story. I, I mean, every single situation that I've come across like this, I mean, it seems designed to drain the parents of every last resource and to put all of these 
just impossible restrictions on them. You know, you, you have to have this much time available, but you, you know, you also have to be working. And if you can't show us that you're working overtime or what, you know, whatever it might be, then they can use that against you. Uh, real quick, uh, Hollis, before you say that, uh, Freight Awakening over on, uh, Rumble says, has anyone approached Megan about making a movie about her life? I'd watch that for sure. Megan? No. No. That's really awesome. Thank you. I've, you know, again, I love fashion. I love music. I left the whole industry to be a mom and to not have the lifestyle that I grew up in and to not be a part of that. Um, I think that that's a huge honor. Honestly, I take that humbly. And um, I, I actually am open to that in the future because I do believe that this message and this story is very important on a wider uh, scale, on a, on a macro level for our country and, and for the issue of trafficking and, and maintaining and, and keeping and protecting our families, not just this bullseye and target for our children you know they guise us with this best interest of the children but people aren't realizing that that's the focus is Mm -hmm. the children they don't care about the parents they don't care about maintaining um you know the family because if you're fighting as a parent what we were just talking about then that keeps it going that makes more money if you're fighting the system if you're trying to fulfill if you're doing all that then that becomes perpetual for them and Absolutely. That's where we're at a loss. Yeah. And certainly a book in there, I would imagine. Hollis, I mean, you said that, uh, you were, you're, you've been in family law for, for 22 years. I mean, uh, I've also done a lot of research into the kind of cottage industry that is built up around the family court system, uh, and the relationships that exist between like the judges and the lawyers and, you know, prosecutors and the uh, defense attorneys. Uh, and then, uh, the doctors and the evaluators, I mean, they, they always seem to have some level of association with each other. If you can comment on, on that at all, I would love that. And then also I want you to kind of finish your thought from before. <laughs> no, excuse me. No, I, um, of course we know each other. We're, you know, we go to work the same place every day. Now it's been different since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. But yes, no, I mean, you learn to know the judges, you learn to know, but you know, if I go to Indian River or I have cases in Highland County or Osceola, I don't know the judges. That's just my learning skills. Then at that point, I've had to have judges recused in smaller towns, though, because they have been so close with the other attorney. That actually happened in Highlands. And we ended up going to trial and we were victorious. But under that judge, we would not have been. Mm-hmm. So it does matter. I mean, yes, judges... In Broward County, where I practice most of the time, I have to tell you, we have a very good family law bench. We have judges that really care. The chief judge has been there for a long time in family law. He's absolutely wonderful. And and I think they're trying at this point, too. The problem is this. They can't hear about your life in an hour. Mm-hmm. They just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so well, they, I would imagine they're desensitized too. I mean, they probably see a lot of, you know, situations where, you know, maybe the parents are messed up, you know, maybe it is a bad situation for the kids. You know, I, so I, I think that they probably see people coming in there and they don't look at them as potential victims of a system, but they automatically assume that there must be a reason you're here in family court. You know, somebody made a complaint against you and they wouldn't have done that unless, you know, there really was something to complain about. But then there's also going to be situations where, I mean, I've seen it, uh, judges getting uh, kickbacks from the system, you know? I mean, like, there is money that's changing hands for these children to enter into the system. 
that makes me very sad. I personally have not witnessed that, but I think I'm very naive in that sense. I want to believe that we're all about justice. I want to believe that everyone is allowed to believe what they want to believe. And while you might not believe it, we can accept it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way the world works. You know, unfortunately, we are judged. Unfortunately, there are certain ways that we're supposed to conform. Mm-hmm. And while do I think that anyone is intentionally trying to hurt someone? No, but I'm very concerned. What kind of what kind of education do these child protective services have? Mm-hmm. Do they have social work backgrounds? Do they have a college background? Do they have a high school degree? What do you have to do to get a job at child protective services? Yeah. yeah. But yet they're the, the, the threshold ones, is low. Yeah. But they're the ones that are taking your children away. Mm-hmm. They're well, the ones that have the power. Civilly, civilly, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I always legally. have to say this. It's legal. It's yeah, legal it's removal legal. of the children. Yes. It is. It is. It but is it civil. should be we illegal. This system for a reason. So, uh, I, I, are you, are any of you ladies familiar with the work of Mike Volpe? Uh, he's a journalist and I mean, he exclusively reports on situations exactly like this. And, uh, he's who really opened my eyes to like the, the depths of the corruption in the family law system. And Hollis, you're right. It's not necessarily every single court, but there are certain places that have a much higher propensity uh, to take children or a much higher propensity to milk tens of thousands of dollars out of parents in order to get them to to leave the system. And Mike has covered it ad nauseum. It's uh, heartbreaking, the stuff that he's been able to find out. I'm not familiar with him, but there definitely sounds very interesting. And I think Megan should contact him. Yeah. I think that right now the biggest deal, though, is that when you have two sides coming at you and the judge has to make a decision in 45 minutes. Yeah. How how can you really know you're making the right decision? Well, if there is ever an argument to uh, to alter or change the way the system works, I mean, I think that's it right there. I mean, you simply (laughs) cannot make a, a full assessment of a situation such as this. I mean, families are dynamic, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things at play. And certainly, you know, the relationships involved between, you know, differing parties, I mean, is just one aspect of it. Megan, I want to get what you were going to say, and then I want to take our first caller. Go ahead. Yeah, well, to address that directly, I do say that there, I have my Better Ways campaign, and that's maybe for another night, Zach, I'd love to get on and for the viewers to kind of talk about actionable ways and, and break things down aside from my case. That's a, that's a different time for sure. And there are better ways. There's positive ways because there are nuances to every family and there's no way that justice can be given or a full account be given, like Hollis said, in that, in the way that it's set up and the amount of time and, and all of that. Absolutely. Um, I highly invite Michael Volpe to uh, contact me and reach out. We have been in touch. Zach, I probably know about every uh, advocate in person. Again, I have been in this for several years. Um, and I do support all of them, whether they want to speak out about my case or not. I absolutely support every single one of them. I was told through our advocate groups that Michael Volpe was told not to get involved in my case. And, um, 
and apparently he decided to go that route. I think that the work he's doing is absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and I think that he's really articulate in breaking down, uh, you know, these issues that we're dealing with. And I, I'm still, I'm always open and I will be. So that's, that's up to him, but we have, uh, we have been in touch and, and then I was given that information thereafter. So, well, I'm sorry to hear that for sure. Okay, uh, let, let's bring in our Don first caller. Donald isn't a fun one to deal with. No, no, I, I, you know, it's like going up against, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to well, say it. I, and I have, well, it is. Yes, exactly, Zach. And that's, uh, that's included in there too. So, yeah. um, but you know, even locally, I've had friends of my generation, you know, come to me. They were supporting me and they know the truth and everything. And they were even contacted by their family members or their parents that are my dad's age and, you know, have been in this town forever. And they were told, you better not get involved or support Megan because you don't want John Walsh coming after your family. So wow. Yeah, no, you certainly don't. Uh, all right, caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Oh, it's Mike Pack. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hey, bud, how are you, man? Uh, good, to, good to talk to you again. I was talking to you today, so that was fun. Uh, I'm Megan's biggest fan. So uh, that's been good. Uh, and I just want to say hi to Hollis. Nice to meet you, I've been working with Megan for a year, but I wanted to see if you could shoot, flash that picture of Hunter and uh, John Walsh. John Walsh giving Hunter Biden the anti-Pedo award to you know, <laughs> yeah. the laptop from Help Pedo Man. We haven't even gotten into <laughs> all of the all of the uh, uh, spurless connections here. I mean, obviously, we've got Hunter Biden in the mix. You've got the Bush family. You've got the Clinton family. I mean, this is like the most powerful. Richard Branson. Yeah, yeah, Richard Branson. Yeah, Branson and the NC and the whole uh, ICMEC. Like, uh, you had you had so many celebrities that are involved in this crap too. Um, you know, uh, what's the guy that, from Breaking Bad? He's like Brian he's Cranston. John Walsh is like main Cranston. Brian Cranston. He's one of main. He's like one of the a main guys, celebrity doing all this. Uh, you know, promotion to the NCMEC to 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 get funds. And it's weird because he's got a weird past that people don't know about, which is really creepy. Like talking about killing his girlfriend and. Uh, being wanted for murder in Florida. Brian Cranston point. killed his girlfriend. Well, he talked about it in a few articles and on uh, Jay Leno or, or Jimmy Kimmel. He talked about dreaming of killing his girlfriend. Really, really sadistic stuff. That is odd. Uh, so I, I, I get concerned at anybody who's that close to John Walsh. Mm-hmm. No. And there's I mean, Anthony Bourdain, the Red Scarf Club. Yeah, it's weird. I would tell I would tell people this all the time, and I've said it on a few podcasts. And uh, but there's uh. <laughs> My, one of my friends, I worked at TV for 25 years. I was a producer in Hollywood. Uh, and I worked with this guy named Rob, who really great guy. We worked at the Jenny Jones show together. We were producers. He was my best friend. And he had just came from working at America's Most Wanted as an associate producer. He ended up going back. He told me that John Walsh was a total phony, just phones it in. And um, he went back to America's Most Wanted. And uh, now he's a big reporter for you know mainstream news and uh I think in Massachusetts. So I tried to reach out to him after I met Megan a year ago. Let's, let's see what he's got to say. I text him, call him. He won't, he won't answer my call. I, I know it's been a long time. And then I look on his bio and it says first on the scene, one of, I think he won a, an Emmy for being first on the scene at Sandy Hook <laughs> and reporting for CNN. I was like, and oh, okay, Oklahoma well, City and 9-11. Wow. Uh, that, that's a different guy. I think you're talking about J- JLR, right? 
No, I was just saying my dad was the first ones on those scenes. Oh, your dad, dad was the first on the scene. Yeah. That's all. Oh yeah, I met, my, I, I met my friend reporting, but we won't talk to him anymore. But, uh, yeah, your dad was really he, – he's always in the, in the weird conspiracy, unknown, large-scale criminal bombings and shootings. I mean, he's, he's always involved. Uh, Capita, uh, the Gabby – story gets on with all these conspiracies and projections and then i'm the conspiracy well okay i'm the conspiracy theorist <laughs> i know we try not to be right well there is a difference between conspiracy and conspiracy theories i'll just that's all i can well, actually say i like to think about them as spoiler alerts in today's world because <laughs> you know Things that were conspiracy theories, I mean, just in the last couple of years, you know, uh, we, we've been told that a lot of things are conspiracy theories. And then it turns out that, no, they weren't conspiracy theories. They were just conspiracies and people were covering them up. And, um, you know, well, uh, basically, we used to, take say, your we used to say bombshells. Yeah. We used to call them bombshells till CNN ruined that. Uh, what are these other I'm images say, that yeah. we have here on the left? We've yeah, got, Chris, uh, we've got, we've got basically a video of Obama and John Walsh discussing DNA tests in every state. Mm-hmm. And funding, and funding and scratching each other's backs and the long relationship with, that my father now has with Biden, right? And okay. that one? Yep. And then we've got John Walsh promoting gun control, um, and mentioning Columbine. Mm-hmm. Um, so these and, are then, and then promoting a mental illness or mental health registry for gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. red flag laws. Yes. Yes. And, and he's also doing this. I mean, in my court case, the, the claim is, is this is all being done to prevent potential future adverse events that could potentially affect them for the rest of their lives. But this whole situation is not an adverse event that will affect them for the rest of their lives, right? No, no. So what are we looking at here? 18-month-old missing child found dead in Indian River near Grant Valcaria. And then over here, I think we have a serial killer in Indian uh, River County. Yeah, is- so it, it seems like there's just a lot of serial killing and a lot of murders that happen in Indian River County. For it to be as small as it is. Right. There's a lot that's going on there. Um, like even in comparison to Miami as a whole, you know, um, there's just a lot of like very strange and weird deaths that go on there. Um, and then Megan. Meanwhile, the rescheduling for the trial is on August 10th, which is the day that my brother's head was found in this town as well. Just. Oh, wow. Side note. The last hearing for the trial was on the 27th, the day that he was, quote unquote, abducted or went missing from the Sears department store. And then they rescheduled it to the 10th, the day his head was found here. Hmm. That's strange. And then I just have several articles here that that I'm just showing the audience just so if you want to go online and read them yourself. You know, there's been many people and, and investigators, Miami police um, and, and Miami Herald journalists that do not agree with the narrative that we, you know, have all been told, um, for years, you know, so this is nothing, you know, Megan has made up. Um, John and Reve's divorce records, um, were destroyed in 2012. You know, all the records, by the way, Adam's records are destroyed from public record. Matter of fact, there's been several journalists sue, 
um, for his records. Um, so why are they all missing? You know, it's always, everything's always missing, but then everything leads back to the Indian river courthouse, um, that is transcribed, you know, with the Freemason symbol, um, and was built by the Grand Lodge. And obviously the majority of people working inside are members of secret societies, um, that are working against, the public if the public decides that they want to go against them in some way. Well, and we're also seeing a pattern and a theme in this community and county of grandparents taking, doing exactly this playbook, saying that their child or maybe even their child is addicted to drugs or something because of the way they've been raised and, Mm -hmm. and in the whatever, and that they take their grandchildren, they adopt them and then a year or two or whatever the time frame is, they give the children back to their kids. Christy, can, you you mentioned something there about um, uh, inconsistencies in in the story around Adam. Um, yeah, there's several inconsistencies. I mean, that there's there's literally you know lots of different theories that go on. Um, and, and there's several journalists that have recorded this for years. You know, this is, they've been, you know, working on this, some of them for 25 and 30 years. 40. Um, and, and some longer, Megan? Yeah, some of them have been since for 40 years have been writing about this. Even one that says and claims that they were there that day. Yeah, so basically all copies of the investigation. This Palm Beach article was really a really good one. It was by David Smiley, produced on April the 7th, 2012. And basically I'll pull these up just because Megan's case clearly cited that, you know, she is, you know, running around. It makes it sound like that she, the allegations against her make it look like she's, you know, running around peppering social media with this stuff when the actuality is, you know, People and really good journalists and police officers and investigators for years um, have completely gone against the narrative that John and Reve have gone publicly on television to say. And why would they be so, you know, concerned about that, you know, and take Megan's children mm-hmm. shortly after she she began asking? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't understand why anybody would want to cover up the true nature of what happened to Adam. I mean, and do they even know who kidnapped him? Is, is that been solved? Uh, they claim that it was Otis tool, another nationally known serial killer who is known for confessing to hundreds of crimes that he did not commit with his lover, Henry Lee Lucas, who was actually in prison on death row in Texas at the time under Bush who was known for never giving pardons to anyone, including a 90-year-old grandmother in for a marijuana charge, uh, would not, would not pardon her, but suddenly weeks before his scheduled execution, suddenly pardons Henry Lee Lucas, um, which there's many documentaries and information. That's actually what I started doing. I said, I want to start looking at these people without the narrative of my brother. And so I started looking at interviews of Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool, which they themselves say that they didn't do it and uh and play games and talk all about the incentivized prison system that we have. And, you know, if you were already going to be in for the rest of your life and you have an opportunity to become known as the world's most notorious serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas says, that's what I did. I rose to the occasion. He makes a lot of other wild claims that I'll be 
accused of being a conspiracy theorist for repeating his own words. But um, well, I, 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 well, I will talk about this freely. I, I mean, I remember when George W. Bush pardoned Henry Lee Lucas. I mean, uh, one of the most notorious satanic cannibals and a serial killer. A very strange choice to make uh, any type of a commutation to a sentence like this for a criminal psychopath of uh, of, of this degree. I, I, I can't really well, fathom why that would happen. Yeah, and actually to speak to that, the same day that Adam was taken on the July 27th, I believe it was like maybe the 25-year anniversary or something like that, on the same day... Uh, 20 plus years later, I was there in the Rose Garden when Bush then signs the arguably unconstitutional, uh, Adam Walsh Act, uh, and the Child Protection Act, something like that, um, in the Rose Garden on that same day. And then they schedule my trial to adopt my children, which we actually found the Adam Walsh forms and requirements uh, for almost every state. I believe only two in the nation do, are not required to do this, but there are Adam Walsh forms and requirements for every interstate, out of state and international adoption. Wow. What does my brother missing and exploited have to do with adoption? No, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, you know what, Mike, we, we've got to take uh, the next caller because we have so many people on the line. Uh, but uh, just one, I want to know if you had anything you wanted to wrap it up with. No, just uh, let's keep, keep going. It's a great show. Okay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. Right, we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. All right. We've got Catherine coming in next. And. Catherine, welcome to the program. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, let me just mute you guys. Oh, yeah. Mute the stream. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi, Megan. Hi. Thanks for calling. Um, I'll, you know my story, too, Megan. I'm a grandma. Um, so mine's, a, mine's a, kind of opposite of Megan's, but I've been an activist since uh, 2012. And I help families um, all over the nation. I'm a paralegal with, um, you know, filing 388s and things to help them maneuver through the court because no public defender with no ill feelings, Miss Hollis, um, are not representing these these families. Um, and and I come from a really in depth view of that because my daughter's a heroin addict. And um, this was before I knew of this CPS corruption. And I worked for Social Security for 12 years. I worked uh, as a registered process server for eight. So both of my hands are registered with the FBI. I have no criminal record, not even for my youth, no speeding ticket. My infant grandson was born addicted. Mm. I went to CPS and begged them to help me intervene in a child endangerment matter because I wanted to be able to have some legal authority to, um, like a conservator, like what they did to Britney Spears, okay, mm -hmm. where I could say she is a danger to herself, she's a danger to my unborn grandchild, and I need help. As soon as I said that, the 800 agent at the crisis CPS line said, well, ma'am, 
I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do to help you. And I said, what? I said, this is child endangerment. I said, if, if, a, if a woman is in a car and she's pregnant and she's driving and a drunk driver kills her, that drunk driver is and kills a fetus who's driving two camels of mm-hmm. manslaughter. But you're telling me my grandson is not a child? Wait, I'm also a constitutional person. So I could not wrap my head around that. I then went to my local chief of police and um, he told me the same thing, but he did make me a promise since my daughter was on probation that if any of his guys out on their beat, seen her under the influence in what's called Chinatown, our homeless community, I'm here in Monterey County, California, that he would arrest her. That never happened. Um, then she stopped going to her prenatal care um, because I then aired a story on the news hoping to get public outcry in 2011. My grandson was born January 3rd, 2012. Severely addicted. I immediately went in when he was born. I'm sorry, I have PTSD now. It's okay. But um, my when I went in, um, there was what was called a hospital social worker. In other words, just for the hospital, she did not work through CPS, mm-hmm. but is a mandated reporter, as is, you know, any hospital worker, nurse, doctor, whatever. And um, my daughter and my son-in-law and I said, they said, we know we're not capable of taking care of our child because we're sick. We're going to relinquish or surrender in California, they have a surrender law. We are going to surrender our son to my mother. Please take a note of that. Oh, I'll make sure I write that down. Fast forward. It was about January 23rd ish. And I was with him every day. I was doing this physical therapy and I, I had permission to look at the chart. And look at the doses of morphine that they were giving them. And I could see they were going down and down. And because I was with them so often, I could see the seizures were getting, mm-hmm. you know, going. They weren't as often. So I'm prepared. I, at that time, I was still working for Social Security. I had a 3,000 square foot ramp style home on four acres. I had a, a beautiful nursery set up for him with, with 101 Dalmatians. I was sure I was bringing my grandson home. So about five days before he would have been released, uh, CPS shows up at the hospital. My daughter is at this point in an inpatient facility in Seaside, California. So their counselors bring her in, and then they bring me in from where I'm visiting with my grandson into this little conference room, which is right off the NICU. And it's called a TDM meeting. Okay, so that means team decision-making meeting. And because I am a paralegal and I am a constitutional person, the first thing I said is, where are the attorneys? Because my daughter had an attorney, my son-in-law had an attorney, and my infant grandson had an attorney. And the supervising crisis worker, Patricia Mannion, who was sued, uh, 15 years ago for a baby dying in foster care that should have never been taken in the first place. She was allowed to keep her job and ruin another family. Mm. 
So they, we, they have this meeting. And the first thing I said, where are the attorneys? And she said, we're not at that point yet, ma'am. And I said, I thought we had Miranda rights, <laughs> the right to remain silent before being called guilty. This isn't about that, ma'am. And if you don't be quiet, we're going to make you leave the room. Oh. As a federal employee, we don't treat the public that way. I bit my tongue. I prayed in, in my spirit. And I was telling myself, this isn't feeling good. I already had that intuitive thought. So then I just said, forget it. I have done no wrong. And they are not going to make me feel like I'm a guilty woman. When I, I was on the streets for nine months with her picture saying, please don't sell this full drugs. I was out of my head. Mm. Still working. So I said, I'm sorry. You are, these statements are lies. You need to retract them from the record or I'm going to sue your agency. The meeting ended. Five days later, I get a letter in the mail from CPS saying they're denying me placement because I was not level-headed and I threatened a social worker. God. Five I'm days so later, sorry. I was with my grandson. My daughter was there visiting because the rehab would bring her to visit too. Um, the hospital nurses that we dealt with mostly on a daily basis, um, said, Kathy, uh, CPS is here to take Angel. I thought you were getting them. And I said, what? I didn't know it was going to be that quick from that letter, right? Mm-hmm. I said, you better call the police because you're going to have to kill me. Well, they didn't call the police. They called their um, 24-7 hospital security for a lot of either retired police or police that decided to go work there. And I didn't want to hurt my grandson. So I had to let them take them. It was two workers. And they were literally laughing at my tears and my daughter's tears. So he's 10 years old now. I held it up on a pill for three years as my own attorney all the way to the appellate court. So I got to see him once a month for one hour in their four by eight cubicle with a microphone and two cameras as if I ever harmed that child. So on my appellate brief, everything that I prepared was the the factual argument. They never had the right to take jurisdiction in the first place. He was not an imminent danger and they didn't have a warrant. Well, three years on the up to the appellate court, they came back and they said, in part, we agree with you, Kathy, but we can't remove him from the only family he's ever known. Oh, God. So I lost. And then I had a, a breakdown. I have post-traumatic stress syndrome. I got adrenal failure. I had to retire from my job. So now all I do is help people like Megan and like me. I mean, grandparents... I see. I, I'm just amazed at her case. Her case is because he is who he is, and he has money. Mm-hmm. I had money, but I didn't have that kind of money. Yeah. If I did, it may have not happened that way. But that's why I I'm so supportive in her case. Not only because she's a good mother. I I've done many talks with Megan. 
um, we've tried so many different routes. I thank God she has good attorneys now. Um, this was way back when they took her first kids. Um, so this is, this is a national, in fact, it's an international problem. Mm-hmm. And the first place to look at is the ASPA, which was created by Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. It's all together. It is RICO. It is racketeering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catherine, Catherine uh, I've seen your story before and I just, I want, there's one part that you're really missing that's really crucial. Um, and it's, it's regarding, your who your grandson got adopted to and so quickly by a very wealthy I, I believe it was an arranged adoption in other words I think they paid probably 200,000 for him but they are they are called the Dionis and um, he's the chief financial officer of what's called Robert Lewis and Stevenson School mm-hmm. in Carmel Valley and Pebble Beach Sammy Hagar's kids went to that school. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, they went through the kinship center, which is a center that people go to that are barren and can't have children. And I, in fact, I went there and I did my own little private investigation because I wanted to see how the two met. And as soon as I started talking to the director and getting into what you, most people would say is a conspiracy theory, I said, I think you're working with CPS. I think you guys did you, cause I told her the story about my grandson. And I, I said, I think that you guys paid to take my grandson. And all of a sudden it just became quiet, but I was very calm and collected. So she didn't have to kick me out of her office, but she became very silent. In other words, it was no longer open in conversation. Yeah, cause no first comment. I came in there acting like I was inquiring about services. Didn't you say it? Oh, yeah. I, I spoke up last week, and I'm no longer allowed in the office because yeah. I spoke up. They made me yeah. visit with my kids in the front reception area, saying that it was for more room, and then later telling me that it was because I actually went to speak to the head of the department last week for the first time in a year and a half. But I don't mean to cut you off, Catherine, but I did want to say, and Christy, thank you for that, because Catherine, for all the viewers, Catherine has been a fighter in this for a long, very, very long time. Um, and yes, like Hollis said, there are cases that are what they are. They're clean cut. There are great judges that are stepping forward. And that's something that we've always encouraged. I have always voiced that as part of my better ways approach is that we are asking good people in the system, judges, workers, attorneys, GA else to come forward and either you know come forward about something that you experienced or come forward as like Hollis has as a, a beacon to say well, you know what maybe this is happening or maybe not but we're going to do different and Catherine has always been and what I want to say to this Catherine is that I don't think for the viewers that they realize that across this country and world there are loving parents and grandparents that have boxes and stacks and files of evidence of everything they've gone through and they are still heartbroken every day they're having to live with their living children or grandchildren still somewhere across this country i I myself at home set rooms set up for my children to come home to you know if i could if i could interrupt for a second i think one of the concerns in megan's case from a legal standpoint 
is you've got the Walshes that have this very public life. So now they've lost a child. How the child was taken, it was he murdered, that's unknown. We also have the divorce. There was restraining orders, domestic violence. How were they cleared with a background check to have this, have her children? Right. right. Because right. I'm going to tell you, any other person that has a restraining order is not getting the but children through the state. Miss Mandel, they never, that's what else I was going to say. They never did what they're supposed to do, which is required in policy and procedure. I've read almost every state. In every policy and procedure manual, it says must consider family first. And consider to do that, they must be big, uh, life scan and they must come check out the home. They did ne- neither of those in my case. Neither. I just want to fast forward and I'll drop off because there's some real strong things on my heart from God. Okay. The, the, the Missouri case, 35 justices recuse themselves. That senator in that state, Callie, won't even talk about it. I've written him too. Why are you talking about these judges that recuse themselves? And all of a sudden that case is tight lipped. I don't know if you guys know about that one. Um, I'm not familiar. No. Um, Christy, are you not familiar with the, I'm not. the lady mm-hmm. out of Missouri? Um, Tolu, Ibita Tolu. Mm-mm. Read about her. It's a high profile case. So that but if, one, you, but if she needs a voice, make sure that she gets in touch with, you know, you or Megan and let's, let's get her. It's voice. almost like she's afraid, but, but you guys just Google 35 justices recuse themselves the state yes, of Missouri. You'll see yes, the video. Uh, mm-hmm. secondly, in 2019, one of my friends had a nervous breakdown. She had two children, 11 and 14. She became homeless, survived for uh, breast force uh, cancer, stage four cancer, and then for some reason got off her mental health medication. She did have schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. She ended up living in an RV with her two little ones. Um, they got on her tail, apparently the schools or someone called. And next thing I know, I get a call from her crying saying, Kathy, did you take my my kids, CPS has them, and they were put into a holding place. Um, and I, I, you know, I talked to my husband, and because of my own experience, I was a little afraid to deal with that agency. But then I thought, on the other side, I'm going to get a feel of how they work on the other side. So we took them in. They put them in our home before we were even considered licensed. Mm-hmm. We had no life scan done yet. <laughs> None of that. They did that over the next six months while the two kids were in our home. And, and, and in that case, they did a background check on me. If they had done a background check on me for my grandson, don't you think the red flag would have went up for those two children? Mm-hmm. And I had them for two years. They were reunified, but, but, the, but it's, it's as bad on this side as it is on that side. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's. Well, that, and, and Catherine, I think Catherine knows that was another thing in my case, and Hollis will agree. You know, they did not do how, if this was an emergency thing, this was a sudden thing. First of all, I've been a mother for almost 10 years, and there's been no reports of anything. There's there been no questions. I'm very much out in the community. I had a farm for the community, everything. But, um, 
you know, for, to, to speak to that, you know, they're, they're, they did not do an investigation. They did not have, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought real quick because we're talking about a lot of different things, but you know, I, I also want, I want to forget that. I want to say overall that yes, my case is very important and it is very odd because of who my father is. And that is something, but also I don't want to negate from the fact that there are, there there are very horrible situations within our CPS system. And this is bigger than me. I don't, you know, yes, yeah. I want to put the focus on my case, but I also don't yeah. want to detract from One the fact. The problems, again, sorry, go ahead. The problems with Megan's case is that Fear Oak Beach is very small. Indian River is very small. Thank John Wallace is a bigger than life figure. Well, and the know, law, even an appearance of impropriety means that they should be, a change of venue or a recusal of a judge. They flat out refused. They didn't even have a hearing. According to Megan, I was not on the case at the time, but Megan did not even have a hearing on venue. And isn't it odd out of the four cases that are going on, this judge is on three of them. Yeah. That's a little too convenient. Listen, Kathy, do you want to give your information out? We got to take the next caller. And, um, uh, I just want to see if you, if you've got a way for people to get a hold of you, if they need your assistance. I do. Uh, they can email me at Malachi, M-A-L-A-C-H-I 2050 at gmail.com. Okay. I also wanted to share with Hollis Christie. I know Megan knows. You guys need to reach out to or get on to Sean McMillan, a civil rights attorney who is winning million dollar cases in California. I did, Catherine. I did. No, I just wanted to tell go look at his YouTube channel because you will be able to hear oh. a ton of depositions that he did to county officials. I want you to hear it because it's going to give you way more insight to this, this problem. It's huge in California. But he settles all of them out of court. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you go look at his YouTube channel, you will see him doing live depositions to the director of LACPS, to the, the doctors that are all it. It's like, because you know, they have, um, what are called contractors, but every single contractor is under their guide. So you'll see him tearing them apart. It's beautiful. All right. Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your story. I appreciate it. My heart goes out to you. Thank you, guys. Keep praying. God bless you, honey. Love you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Also, I don't know that you want to answer this, but Fredo over on uh, Rumble says, has it ever been postulated that Megan's brother was a victim of John Walsh and not a random kidnapper? The whole thing reeks like JonBenet Ramsey's original case did. The guy seems like a real creep. Uh, I'm going to leave that uh, maybe to your legal to team. Discuss, yeah. yeah, we're not here to discuss that today. Okay, okay. Just had to put it out there. Okay, next <laughs> caller, Sean Anon. He's not the only one to feel that way. That'll okay. be my response. Okay. <laughs> He's not the only one. All right, Sean is next. And Sean, you're on the air. Good to see you again. Twice in a row. I was going to say weird, dude. I feel like I'm having some deja vu today. Did did we talk yesterday? Yes, we did talk yesterday. We did. <laughs> All right. That's cool, man. Hey, good to see you again. Back to back days. Hey, ladies. I'd, hey, like to, I'd, like, I'd like to ask how you're doing, but I can empathize. And this entire community can empathize as well. 
I'm solution oriented. All right. And, and, uh, for the caller before, what's her name? Kathy? I think. Yeah. That was I it. also mm-hmm. have it. I also have a channel and this is my topic of choice and this is my solution too. So I, I encourage her and anyone else to, to uh, hit me up and, uh, and I'll give the email in just a minute, but again, I'm solution oriented. So do you girls need any more confirmation that this whole system, the way it's created, that it's corrupt and these people are corrupt? Give you don't need us. any more confirmation. <laughs> okay. So the solution is you want to get your kids back. We want to get your kids back. This community will help you get your kids back. I don't know if you've seen the documentary, These Little Ones. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm in the trailer. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was just going to say, because yeah. uh, what, what was the fellow's <laughs> name? Garcia something? They Yes, uh, Rodriguez. He just moved to Orlando. And they actually. just got yep. their, uh, their son back, right? So, yeah, yeah. Public, like you have to hit up this. We have to hit up this community, especially, and pummel it because this community will get the word out. If there's one thing that this community, mm-hmm. Redfield, can tell you, Redfield, what's their biggest fear? What the biggest fear of my community? What? What's no, 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 what's their oh. biggest fear? Oh, their biggest fear is us being organized. <laughs> and awake. <laughs> yes, and awake, of course. And awake, the truth. And something some tells me right. your father, and you know, we'll pray for him and you know, his redemption after all said and done, right? Because I imagine that that part hurts as well. So, I, something tells me he was really scared about becoming exposed and kind of what led to this, right? I mean, correct me if if you think I'm mistaken. I think you're right on, yeah. No, I believe you're right, and I also believe it was at the time that Megan was seeing a therapist that she had chosen versus one her parents Mm -hmm. chose, and she was working on separating from her parents. She was taking a step back and went Uh, through controlling people like to do. They grab on tighter. I find narcissism can work in many different ways. It can be several different kinds. It can be the ones who are born with a silver spoon up their ass. And then they're the ones who are insecure. They're kind of compensating for it, right? Little man syndrome, driving a big truck, that sort of thing, right? And, and that's, that's kind of what your father strikes me as. And him, of his, his stature, what he's accomplished... For him to get exposed for all this stuff would be really big, earth-shattering. The bigger they are, the bigger they fall, sort of deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I would almost encourage to be very strategic. Let's I create a truth social account. And the only reason I say that is because there's every single person on that uh, platform is like-minded. Every single person. Who put this story? We put the story out there on that. Rumble, bit shoot everywhere. That the walls will, will close in, and they don't want that. They, I, I promise you, they don't want that. And then, you, and the people can handle the 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 law side of things. That's just my take. I don't want to hold you up, RP. I know but I don't disagree, and I believe the only way to make change is to stand together as a community, and yeah, that's what we have to do here. The fact that this case is still in Indian River is beyond me. I just don't understand the appearance alone. 
Hey, how far are you to um, Martin County? Is it Martin County? Well, I was going to ask, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in... I'm up north. I'm up in Maine, and I tr- I have a very okay. similar, not even close to your situation, but I've had the family court system effectively alienate me from my kids, and all I am subjected. I just to- got a pen for your. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a that's a real thing. I was just saying. I just got your pen to write down your information. Oh yes, please do. <laughs> uh, ride or die, eighty two at Proton Mail. So, RP, don't mean to shameless plug, brother. Two nights in a row. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, I appreciate you, and I uh, hope you guys get in touch and we get some. some I'll uh, email you, Sean. Thank there you. There we go. Oh, please do. And the reason I mentioned Martin County real quick, there's a very, I think it's a Martin County, a very special judge by the name of, I think, Grady Judge, is it? Yeah. Well, he, he's a huge face. Grady Judge. That's yeah. Sarah, and he knows about my case, and uh, we sent him the notice of liability. He's done nothing. Mm. Oh, that's a bummer. All right. All right. Sean, you have guys. a great night. Good luck. We'll see you. Hope to hear from you. Thanks, Sean. I'll email you, bud. Thank you. All right. Next caller coming in. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Uh, yes. My name is Matt. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I was, just, I was listening to your show tonight, and you know, I want to let Megan know, you know, like I've I've been through this, uh, I've been through this wild uh, ride before, and just actually got through the last of it within the last few weeks, where I had an appeal overturned by CYS, where I finally got my record clean. But it all comes down to, it just comes down to how much money do you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they don't, you know, it doesn't, you know, CYS, I'm up here in Pennsylvania, up here it's called CYS, not CPS. And, you know, once they get you in the system, they will lie, they will do anything to keep you in the Mm -hmm. system. I'm not talking about the people that are accusing you. I'm talking about the people that run the system. Workers. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. if you want, I could I would share you my email address. I don't know if we're allowed to do that. You can do that, we sure. Could, we could trade stories. Okay. Uh, and if you want to write this down, it is P as in but with Pittsburgh, uh, abbreviated P G H K I D seven six at Yahoo. P G H aid seven six at yahoo.com. No, P P G H kid. All oh, all one P- word. P G H kid. Kid kid. Okay. At Yahoo at yahoo.com. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things that we could probably relate to that uh, as you go through this wild ride and, you know, probably bits and pieces of advice uh, I can give to you uh, while you're going through it as well. But, you know, it, it, but like I said before, it all just comes down to how much money do you have to pay? It will bankrupt you. But, you know, in the end, it's it's worth the fight. Amen. And thank you. You really brought up a great point. You know, again, that's why I have to sit here and, you know, I'm usually the one to help everybody else. And I'm actually having to ask for that financial help because you hit the nail on the head. And and how sick morally is that, that it comes down to money versus, you know, just the truth for your children. Um, So I really do appreciate that. You also identified that about the workers and address that, you know, we're, we're really identifying the judges and, 
and different things that are in control, judges and GAL specifically. Um, but the workers, you know, it's it's been horrific, I have to say. I I always go into things with good faith and I want people to really you know, prove wrong and and do the best that they can. And unfortunately, you know, as I'm accused in in documents of becoming more and more paranoid, you know, they're actually the ones that are just reaching and again, having to have me come outside of the office to visit with my kids and doing these things that are clearly them becoming more and more paranoid and psychotic. And, and it's very bizarre. It's, it's very bizarre. If I can take any recourse afterwards, I will be and first and foremost over any I don't care about money, I don't care about anything. These people need to be ordered to psychological evaluations themselves, if you ask me through all of this. So have to well, you know so thank you for that because you're you're right on and 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 that is part of the systemic issue. All right, caller, we've got to we got to take the next call. We've got two people left, and I want to get to everybody, and we're about to be uh, at the end of the show. All right, very well. You guys right. have a good night. You too. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right, next caller. Caller, you're on the air. We're at the end of the show, so if briefly you could uh, ask Megan your question or make your point. Well, what I wanted to say was, um, what what I'd like to know is, um. I'm assuming that like America's Most Wanted may have been some some somewhat of a like a gatekeeper type thing where they got a heads up about what was investigated before they like gave the information to the police. So do you think that's kind of how that worked? Hollis, you're you're muted, but it looks like you're uh Yeah, I we don't know anything about that, unfortunately. We're just aware of this case and this situation. Well, and, and I want to say, I want to reply to that too, is I think that that is a question. And why I'm here is that I want the public to, I want to bring attention to that. And I want people in various things, not that specifically, but various things regarding this. And we are talking in the context separate from my case. But if we are talking in the, the bigger picture of those things and that involvement, that I absolutely want the public to be asking those questions and to be looking into it for themselves. I'm not here to tell anybody any answers. I'm living this with you all, and, and we're working through this together. I do have, you know, information and just through experience. But other than that, we are in this together, and I do want the public to be asking those questions because I, I don't have all the answers. All well, right. I definitely want to know. Yeah, certainly a lot to dig on there. But thank you very much for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Have a great night. Thanks. All right. Final caller of the night, FBI surveillance van. It's been a minute since I've seen this name. Uh, also, <laughs> Freight Awakening says, great interview. Thank you, ladies. Hoping Zach has you back on as this saga develops. I can assure you that you will receive many blessings uh, from the prayer warriors in this community, and God bless you all. FBI Surveillance Van, go ahead and unmute. Good and evening, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I made a post earlier on your Odyssey live stream. Okay. My handle there is Conservative Voices University. Excellent. I am in Florida as well, northeast region, close to Jacksonville. Okay. And what I wanted to share with the with the folks listening, and especially the the legal team and whatnot, 
is we've been working on a project, uh, myself and a few other folks around the country, to properly remove permanently any and all elected and unelected, quote unquote, officials from their positions of power. And the way we've done this, and I'm sure some of you folks have heard of the mayor from Anaheim getting removed from office back in June mm-hmm. and under FBI uh, investigation. Mm-hmm. We did that. That's beautiful. <laughs> now, how we did I would love to talk with you yeah. <laughs> about elections and a lot of other things. <laughs> sure. But well, this is the point, though. The way we went after these folks, and again, I'm sure you guys have all heard of a lot of different politicians and bureaucrats resigning their positions all over the country for the last month, correct? Yeah. We did that. <laughs> we did it in a very simplistic, well, it's not simple, but the way that we went about it is everybody who's elected in, the, in public office and is a bureaucrat, right? Mm-hmm. Local, state, federal. They have to be bonded. They have a surety bond. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Bonds, uh, bonds for the win has been a, a yeah, guest on the show before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. As much as we applaud their work, they're mm-hmm. going about it the wrong way, unfortunately, because oh. we've had discussions with them as well. Okay. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm not, Sadly, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. But it's the, it's, it's the <laughs> no. concept and the sentiment. And you're just saying sure. that there's a slightly different, better way to go about it. Why don't you give us your information? And I would love yeah. to talk to you off air as well. Yeah. The best way to get in touch with me directly is, um, via any of our social media channels. And if you guys look at any of the social media, you see a flag that looks like an American flag that's wrapped in bubble wrap. Okay. <laughs> like the one that's on uh, the Odyssey handle. Okay. That's my social media. So our the best way to get in touch with us is that way or via email. Yes. What is that? The email is specialtystudios at gmail.com. Specialty Studios at gmail.com. Okay. Yep. And what was your name again, Fred? I can't disclose it at this oh, time. Let's just yeah, go I, with I, I didn't know that one was asking. Sorry. Uh, we'll email you. Thank you so much. And that's no really interesting to hear what you guys are doing. Please keep it up because I've, again, I've been in, in these different little avenues for a while before my children were actually taken. And I really respect what you guys are doing. So thank you. I well, can't wait. We're all part of the same team at the end of the day. Absolutely. We really are. This is this is really nice. So thank you for calling in too and, and I'll be emailing you for sure. Looking forward to it. I'm, we're happy to help any way we can. Thank all you. Right. Thank you very much. God bless. Appreciate you calling and uh thank you for being here. Let me go through the thank yous over there on Foxhole, make sure we don't have any outstanding questions. Uh Texas Bear seventy seven says stay true, stay you, Zach, thumbs up. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you. Sumter 53, uh, was in the Hollywood Mail a week before Adam disappeared. Was, this has gotta be something related to at the, at the beginning of the show. I don't know what the context is though. Uh, Gambera, thank you for that. Sean Joe, thank you. Sean Joe also said, Zach always pleasantly surprises with the range of guests you have. Thank you very much. I always like to have a wide variety and diversity of opinions. Insight Gino says, thank you for having Megan on tonight. Gino, one of the people who uh, got me in touch with you directly. 
uh, Pi says. I have to say something real quick to Gino, Zach. I know I shouldn't interrupt you. This is your jam, but Gino and I, and this is to the viewers as well. And to extend the question and answer segment, if we really, we are doing rescue the fosters is every Thursday night. We're also starting a nonprofit. And we, why I'm saying that is we really encourage anyone that's either been a foster child. If you've been put through the system, if you're a parent, any experience within this that you want to come forward, especially if you've worked within the system and you'd like to come forward, because again, this isn't a fight. This is just about identifying the corruption and how this is affecting and really destroying our families. And again, that's not a blanketed thing, but this is, it's not black and white either. There are still these issues going on and we want to come together and really bring forth that and give voices to the children that haven't had voices. And a lot of them are aging out of the system. So I really did want to put that out um, to really get in contact with us. And I'm sorry you brought up Gino because we wouldn't be here, Zach, tonight if it weren't for Gino. So I got to that out. <laughs> Much respect, and uh, I, I I will actually be appearing on uh, Gino and Mike's show in the near future, too, so keep an eye out. I will announce that when it's going to happen. Uh, Pi says, is it possible to get a change of venue to a jurisdiction where John Walsh doesn't have influence? It sounds like it would normally be possible, but for some reason in this, in this instance, um, maybe not. Absolutely. A change of venue is what should have happened as in my opinion, should have happened at the beginning of this case. It would have in your limited experience of, of twenty-two years. Just by limited, <laughs> yeah, you know, just a little bit. I, I, and I filed pro se for a change of venue. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, she did file pro se for a change of venue. She filed twenty-six motions pro se, and the judge did strike them all without hearing any of them. Wow. Now, I can't, I can't go into right now the legal things that we're doing, but if we come back in a month, we might have some different information to tell you. Okay, great. Well, you guys are welcome back, and that's I always end saying that, but I'll, I'll put it out there right now. Uh, Dr. Hoffman says, CPS is pure evil. The lives they have ruined are so many. John Joe, thank you. Low Country Brooklyn uh, passed out an article for News Wars, Save the Babies, a documentary on CPS child trafficking. A boneless chicken says, thank you for the interview, Zach. I just watched these little ones, eyes wide open. Uh, Liberty Bell says, I love you, Red Pill. Great show. Uh, thank you to Trusty Turnip, Gambera, and Nag1229 says, great show as well. A boneless chicken also says, keep the cookies and cans coming, folks. This is Zach's full-time job, and he does great work for us. I also want to say thank you very much for that. Um, somebody on Truth Social earlier today said that they had a problem that my guests – that have been appearing on the show, uh, which have, who have been leading causes or who have been engaged in activism or, you know, personal issues that they had a problem that people had passed out their GoFundMes or their gifts and goes or that they had let people know that they, uh, you need help in some way, you know, and, and that they, they expressed some distaste at the idea that I might be getting taken advantage of. Let me just say this. Everybody, today is in a very difficult position. I mean, across the country, uh, people are in a difficult financial position, and I frequently tend to interview people who are in even more difficult positions by virtue of the work that they do or the situations that they're being subjected to. So make no mistake, if someone comes on the show, I am offering them the ability to do so because I'm blessed to have a platform where several thousand people are going to show up and listen, and then hopefully people are going to share that story 
and get it out there. Um, you are free to donate or to not donate as you see fit. And if you are so moved by Megan's story and you feel that you can help or participate in some way, then I urge you to go ahead and do so. Uh, and I know that not everybody can donate to every single person that shows up on the show. I don't even ask for donations, uh, and I'm blessed to get them. Uh, and so I appreciate every single one of them, but I just want whoever that person was to know that I'm not being taken advantage of. And I asked Megan here because I understand what's happening to her. And I think that she deserves our help. So, you know, just keep that in mind anytime somebody comes on the show. I mean, nobody is railroading me to come on here and uh, and get 20 bucks from uh, the, <laughs> the couple thousand people that are watching. Uh, Insight Geno hey, says, please consider donating to Megan's Gibbs and Go. Uh, Donna Bode Libby, thank you for that. Porpoiseful, thank you as well. Our Cloaked Unseen World says... How much looking into possible loopholes in the system to use it against them like they do you? Um, you know, I mean, it seems like you guys have pretty much exhausted uh, the legal channels that you can go through. And unless one of the people involved in this case, uh, you know, decides to make an honest decision that you're just going to have to continue in the venue that you're at. I, I mean... Is it, is that fair to say, uh, Hollis, that, uh, you know, whatever loopholes might exist, you guys have, uh, you know, tried to go down that road? And I don't want you to, uh, you know, well, reveal I think, anything. I think the problem is that there were several court-appointed lawyers that took her case in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then there were some that she also retained. I just don't think they necessarily were looking at her situation and her best interest. I think they were getting caught up in the system. Like I said, I just find it hard to believe that these state attorneys are literally stalking her on social media. To me, who has the time to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, they have made this case into something that it really doesn't. First of all, I don't see any immediate danger to these children. No. I don't really understand why they were ever removed in the first place. That's that's troubling. When you look and there's no safety plan, they never did anything to make the kids feel safe prior to removing them. They said she's too crazy. She's too far out there. You have all these allegations from a man for a paternity case. In Florida, if you're not married and you have a child out of wedlock, you have to go to court before you're the actual legal father. Mm -hmm. This man may have filed this, but he's never been. And I looked at the court record. He has not been adjudicated the legal father. Yet they still allow him to come into the other hearings and talk as if he was the father. It doesn't make sense. No, no, it certainly doesn't. Well, they I mean used him to have the attorney be able to be in there so that the attorney could then call everybody and control the narrative. The attorney's been calling the other fathers and they've been offering them deals and everything. I mean, we know this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a personal aspect to this. It's a, it's a vendetta. <clears throat> Average Joe Patriot says, uh, great show CPS in Chicago is terrible. Our Cloaked Unseen World says to get your kids back. Oh, this is a continuation of that. Uh, something about a loophole to get your kids back. Possibly finding CPS Patriot workers on the inside to brainstorm solutions. Wouldn't that be something if we had people uh, that were actual true American Patriots who... Uh, That's right. I that? do. You do? Okay, I well, do. good. <laughs> we have amazing workers on the inside, the lowest level of CPS. And I've always said this, there are amazing people that go into this. This is a systemic issue. Yeah, this yeah. is not 
a personal issue. This is not an attack. We all have to come together. This is not even political. This should be the one bipartisan, like nonpartisan, excuse me. This should be the not one nonpartisan issue. Absolutely. Everything is politicized these days that we can actually freaking come together and stop taking the bait of division Stop taking the bait of that we all are different. We all are different. It's okay. We need to come together on this issue of children and a corrupt system that, yes, might have great aspects to it, might have success stories, but there are great workers and great people, and this is systemic at this point. And the lowest level should actually, if you ask me for point's sake right now, I will say that the lowest level in this system should have the most authority, honestly. They are the hands-on people that see these families, see these parents interact with the children, make the reports. We have, I have had supervised visits twice a week for over a year, and they make reports for every single one of them. Isn't that far more than any of these hearsay affidavits from employees or old family friends or people that don't even know me for over a year with my children or even more than that or under my parents. So we do have great people that the lowest level has said and spoken up and tried to within Children's Home Society of Indian River County. I have amazing women, including the foster mother. When I speak out against this all the time, you guys, so this is the reality of it. The foster mother that even has my newborn, beautiful baby Esther right now is not okay with this. This is psycho for all of us that are hands-on in this situation. This is the GAL. This is the the state attorneys and the judge who have never even seen my children and I together making all of these decisions based on timelines and checkpoints and, and crap that they've made up over real children's lives our future, our family. My children have reported physical abuse from my parents. My children have reported all these things and have spoken up and cried and begged to come home in all of these people's faces. And my workers cannot handle it anymore. They are literally messaging like, we don't even think we're protecting children. And that I'm saying as an example, because it's across the board with workers and these women that they have other women going in under these positions of protecting children and literally stealing children from other women. And it's not okay at this point. And they are even seeing that. And I've gone in with grace and we just want truth and people are coming forward, but we have to address this on the court level, the judicial aspect of it. And whether that's even judicial, these are kangaroo courts and they're putting it behind closed doors so that you cannot see what's going on. And they're saying it's in the best interest of the children. No one in this system is looking from the perspective of the children. I will say that. And Sorry that's now. the concern, Megan. Megan, the concern is, is no one's really getting to hear the story. No one's hearing. I have told we people the care. allegations, and they have said to me, there's something else. There must be more. You don't lose right. children for these things. Except people do. This happens all the time yes. all across the country. Yes. Uh Over here on uh, the foxhole, uh, Sean Joe, thank you again. And then Pi said... If officers of the court are stalking Miss Walsh, she might be able to file a bar charge against them. Uh, and somebody over there in the Rumble chat was talking about if your kids are taken, you just go in and take them back. Uh, you know, unfortunately, no matter how in- unjust it might be, you cannot 
retaliate in a manner such as that because then you're kidnapping. Uh, then you might end up losing not only your children, but your freedom or your life. You know, there have been situations where people have done things like that, thinking that they are above the law simply because what happened to them was unjust. And you cannot act like that. OK, this is a system that will never get fixed if people go about it like that. We have to go through these legal channels. And I know how frustrating it is. I know how uh, just out of whack it seems. But the only way that this is going to get sorted is if we do it the right way. And I really applaud you, Megan, for the attitude that you have about it and the way that you're going about this. I need to say thank you to Mark Mario over on uh, Buy Me a Coffee. He said, you're a good man, Zach. Thank you for all you do. And then Adina Flores, my guest from last night, actually sent me a donation on Cash App. So thank you very much, Adina and Shelby. Uh, and now, you guys, we are at the end of the show. I want to give each of you a final word. So uh, let's let's begin up here in my left corner with Christy. Christy, what would you like people to take away from the conversation tonight? Well, I want people to know that Megan is trying to be a normal mom in a very abnormal situation. Um, while most people may think that, you know, she was born with a silver spoon in her mouth, well, the minute you go against the system – the silver spoon comes out along with everything else with it. So there are many um, allegations, you know, against her in terms of the public allegations of wondering why this happened and why that happened. But the reality is she hasn't had a relationship with her family. Um, she's lost her children. She's literally lost everything. And as a truther community, um, there have been many people that have said, if that one person would just come forward, you know, it's like the Jenga, the, the whole, you know, the whole thing could collapse. Well, it could, but first she's got to get her children back. And so, you know, I would just employ people to consider giving up a cup of coffee, um, tomorrow morning. If you're going, you know, buy a Starbucks and by the way, Bill Gates on Starbucks. So give that up, um, give, you know, that three or $4 to Megan on her gifts and go. Um, if you have a larger donation, I would recommend that you give it directly to Hollis via the Zelle account. Um, and in terms of why that is, is because Megan actually has to pay for her gifts and go, you know, whenever money is removed from it. But if it's smaller donations, it's great. It actually looks great. It, it actually, when, when the, one of the callers on Sean, he said they're both fear, fearful of us. They are. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way for them to let them see that there are people out there, whether it's through prayers, you can put, put a prayer on Megan's gifts and go or give up a cup of coffee. That would be my recommendation because all of us could have run into CPS at some point in time. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Christy. Appreciate you being here tonight. H Hollis, any final thoughts? I just think that the world needs to be aware that this could easily happen to you. Megan's not so different. Does she have a father that might be more powerful so things are sped up a little bit? Yes, but all it takes is an anonymous tip to see this, and they're at your door. Okay, thank you very much for being here as well. And then, Megan, finally, what would you most like the audience to take away from tonight's conversation? I just hope that we can all finally come together. I know that this is a horrific situation, national crisis that we do have, but I'm really hopeful that we can all come together and understand the empowerment through it of our voice and the people and that it is going to come down to that and that actually we can use grace and truth 
for justice. That's all. This is not, it doesn't have to be this fight and this ugly thing. We've got to stop this at some point and say, you know what? We just have to all come together about what's right or not. And through grace and truth, we can come down to that and whatever justice needs to be served, then, then that does need to happen as well. And I just want to thank everyone so much for just listening even tonight. And, and if you support us and, you know, I, I really, really thank you for that. My children are my life and I, you know, I, there are children as we've spoken tonight that have gone through far more horrific situations within this system. And that's what keeps me fighting every day honestly between those two so I just thank everyone that's come forward and those that are just hearing about it please get involved please let's let's transcend the division and the bait and, and let's protect our children truly because there are ways to do that and it takes us all to come together not takes a village but it takes us all to come together and really um, you know maintain and establish our parental rights and how we can truly support in a healthy way um, each other as a community. So thank you, Zach, so much. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank all of you for being here. Megan, once again, my heart goes out to you. Uh, and I really respect the way that you're going about this, the way that you're handling it. I think it, this would have broken far, uh, you know, far lesser people, you know, I mean, just the, the fact that you've been able to hold it together and that you're uh, really focused on getting back to just having a normal life. I mean, the sad thing is that there is going to be damage done to your children. I mean, not having that continuous, you know, golden thread type relationship with their mother. But thank God that you are in a position where the people who are involved are as understanding about it as they are. I mean, I don't know how you could look at this situation and not see it as completely screwed up and absolutely unfair, totally unjust. So I'm really glad that you are in the position you are. And hopefully before too long, those kids will be back home with you every single day and this will be nothing but a dream. And as I said earlier, you are welcome back on the show. Hopefully we can stay in touch and uh, we'll have some good updates uh, in the very near future. I want to say thank you to everybody for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for watching the program. Thank you for sharing. Thank you to everybody who did support and everybody who is supporting Megan. Uh, I am driving to Michigan tomorrow. So uh, definitely not making a video, and uh, I will only be putting out videos from the road on Monday, so bear with me. I think that means no Occam's Razor on Monday, just a couple of quick episodes during the day. But for everybody else at home, everybody here on the panel, good luck and God bless, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.